As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Beyond Gender Podcast. The place for transgender and gender variant stories and news. We're your hosts, Caleb Arring and Dorian Vendon. Join us every other week as we interview people about their experiences with trans identity and gender variants. And be sure to give us your feedback on Twitter at Beyond Gender Pod. On Facebook at www.facebook.com slash beyondgenderpod or email us beyondgenderpod at gmail.com. And check out our website www.beyondgenderpod.com for resources and more info about us and the show. And if you love the show, give us five stars on iTunes. Feel free to share, comment, or get in touch with us. Even to be a guest if you'd like. Thanks for listening. Hello again, and welcome to another wonderful episode of the Beyond Gender podcast. Hosting again is I, Dorian Vrenden. And today we have some great guests hailing all the way from Iceland and the UK. But they are both travelers, and we discuss what they have learned and experienced in their travels and talks with community members from all over. And they do span different medias and keep things very refreshed with trans and non-binary guest hosts on Snapchat that I highly recommend you tune into. For my generation is an experience like no other in seeing how diverse and far-reaching we are as a community. So that's my generation, all one word, like it sounds, on Snapchat for more of that. We will link all sorts of fun items in relation to today's guests. There's tons of videos, artwork, you name it. But first, we have some news about the last few weeks to get to and a word from our sponsor that brought us to you. So thank you for tuning in and enjoy. 
So this is a pretty big week for news for me to be taking over for Dorian, who does our news so well. But I figured I would take it on. Obviously, most notable is that last week in the general election in the United States, Donald Trump won the presidential election. He is our president-elect who will be sworn into office in January of next year. This has caused a number of activist groups and marginalized groups of people to be very wary about the direction of the country and what we should be expecting to come in the months and years under the presidency of Donald Trump. The difficult thing in trying to prepare is that no one can predict what will happen and no one can predict what laws will change. A number of groups are advising that if you do not have your personal documentation up to date, meaning if you don't have your name that you are going by updated on your driver's license or your passport or your birth certificate or any of your identification documents or your current gender has not been updated on those same identification documents, but you have the legal right to do so, that you should be doing that as soon as possible. So if for some reason laws do change under President-elect Donald Trump, you will already have your new documentation. We will be posting some articles about those along with some resources to find out how to change documentation in the state that you live in. Uh, For your birth certificate, it's going to be dependent upon the state where you were born. So go ahead and take a look at those if you haven't changed your documents and find out whether or not you can change your documents. And if you can do so, you should do so as soon as possible, meaning before next year. Additionally, a number of Activists are also suggesting that it's important to take a look at your health care. If you have a health insurance provider that you have through the Affordable Care Act and you are getting your hormones from that health insurance provider, you need to find out what your options are. President-elect Trump has made it clear that he is not a fan of the Affordable Care Act, which is also known as Obamacare, and although since being elected he has said that he may not repeal the Affordable Care Act, he has said many, many times before that he does plan on repealing it. So in the interest of caution and safety, it is recommended that you find out what your options are. So if you are receiving hormones, blood tests, anything like that from a doctor that you have through the Affordable Care Act, you should talk to your doctor as soon as possible and find out what options you would have if the Affordable Care Act were overturned and you no longer had the health insurance coverage that you currently have. Those of our listeners who are undocumented immigrants, whether or not you are LGBT, it is very important to contact an immigration attorney and find out what your options are as far as trying to get legal status in the United States. 
although I find it unlikely that Mr. Trump will have the resources to round up the number of people that he wishes to round up. I think that it is very important to be vigilant and to protect yourself and to plan ahead. Uh, So if you are in the country and you are undocumented, you should contact an immigration attorney as soon as possible. I am an immigration attorney. If you would like to contact me, I can do a free consultation over the phone. You can email me or you can call me. My email is caleb at gayasylumsf.com. My phone number for my office is 415-355-4434. Or you can go to my website to get more information, www.gayasylumsf.com. Also, if you have received DACA or DAPA, if you have a work permit and the right to stay here under the DREAMers Act, those may no longer be valid under President-elect Donald Trump, depending on what he decides to do. So if you do have a work permit through DACA or DAPA and have been given the right to stay here under those, you should also contact an immigration attorney as soon as possible and find out what your options are. You may have also noticed that today's episode is a bit longer than our usual episodes. We are including at the end of the episode the audio of a self-care guide that was made by Dara Hoffman Fox, one of our recent guests on the show. Uh, Dara Hoffman Fox made a self-care guide uh, for people post the election of Donald Trump as president. So that's about 15 minutes. It's included here in the audio content at the end of the show. We will also be posting a link to the YouTube video that Dara made. And we also put that on our Facebook and tweeted it out earlier today. In other news, next week is going to be Transgender Week of Awareness. Now more than ever, it is important that we bring light to the issues that transgender people face, particularly the issues that people might face under the Trump presidency. It is important that we make ourselves visible and that we share with people the struggles that we are facing so that we can make people aware of what's going on in hopes that our allies will rally around us and help to keep us safe. You can get more information on the Transgender Week of Awareness on a couple of websites. I will be posting the GLAD website and also the Transgender Day of Remembrance website where you can find out more information about the Transgender Week of Awareness, specifically the Transgender Day of Awareness. And finally, uh, we're also going to be posting an article about Penn State. And this year, Penn State will be holding their inaugural Transgender Visibility Week where they will be providing information uh, about Transgender Week of Awareness. They'll be doing a number of activities throughout the week to bring light to transgender people and transgender issues, including a keynote address about transgender health care and a number of other activities and events that will be happening throughout the week, wrapping up with a Transgender Day of Remembrance vigil. This is really great that Penn State is doing this. 
I also want to give a plug for my alma mater, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, uh, where we held a week of transgender visibility events uh, for Transgender Visibility Week uh, over 10 years ago uh, when I was at school there. Um, So to all of the colleges out there who are doing things like this, all of the schools out there, uh, thank you for your support. And that is all for this week's news. We will get you into today's interview in just a minute. Before that, a quick word from our sponsor, which is the law office of Caleb Aring. I'm not going to talk about this too much because I already mentioned it in the news, but if you are an undocumented immigrant, you should contact an attorney as soon as possible to talk about your possible opportunities to get documentation and be in the United States legally, you can contact my law office by calling 415-355-4434. You can visit my website at www.gayasylumsf.com or you can send me an email, caleb at gayasylumsf.com. We will have all of that information in the show notes. If you or anyone you know is an undocumented immigrant, please call me as soon as possible. I will give you a free phone consultation where we can take some time to determine whether or not you might have a avenue for relief to get documentation here in the United States. And next up, we have today's interview, which is done by Dorian. I'm super excited. I love it when Dorian hosts. I think she's really great at doing that. So I hope you all enjoy it as well. So hello, everyone. Today on the show, we do have Owl and Fox Fisher, who do My Generation. I know that Ugla, who also goes by Owl as well, uh, you write for the Huffington Post. And I would just like to introduce our guest to you. Um, so hello and welcome. Um, yeah. I would like to ask you both maybe uh, just to tell us a little bit about yourself and where you started your involvement with the community or even if you'd like to open up about your gender identity, where you started off with that. Sure, sounds good. Uh, um, the person talking right now, my name is Fox, and um, I define, well, I was assigned female at birth, and I headed down the path towards uh, kind of a more masculine, um, I, I guess I was, I was kind of like F to M, but I kind of stopped along my, my route. Uh, well, not stopped, but I just started defining as non-binary instead, so, um, and Al, do you want to say how you define? Yeah, uh, I was assigned male at birth, uh, but I sort of have the same story as Fox, I guess. Uh, And eventually I started defining as non-binary as I felt that was more applicable to my my experience in many ways. Yeah. 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 I, I do seem to hear that quite a bit from some people as like kind of a growth process, you know, maybe going from, oh, well, maybe I'm trans, things like that. Maybe I'm... Uh, non-binary because then you kind of see those worlds and things like that is that maybe how you guys got into it and you're like like yeah, uh, I think so. saw maybe I mean, the trans community and then saw like an, a bigger community after I mean, that I guess uh, for, for me um, it's folks speaking um, 
I always defined as, as androgynous, and then uh, I defined it as genderqueer as soon as I heard about that term. Mm. Um, and then um, I was involved with, um, and this is how I started, got involved with activism, but five years ago I was involved in a documentary called My Transsexual Summer, and I wasn't able to talk about being genderqueer or being non-binary, so I started to talk about it, and then uh, the cameras just stopped me, well, the people uh, on the production team just stopped me and said, look, Fox, um, the audience is not going to be able to understand what you're talking about. We'll just try and simplify things, and we'll go from there. Uh, so I, I had kind of had to, to change my story and just, you know, say exactly what I was saying to the NHS as well at the same time, which was uh, a simplified, uh, stereotypical version, just like so you'd, you know, get through it. So um, in order to access treatment, I would say, you know, I was born in the wrong body and I felt like I was a man and, and, and so on. And that, you know, the reality is much more exciting than that, actually, We're kind of... Um, you know, less restricting in many ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it was, uh, I guess it was uh, when I sort of started my transition, there was a very clear message from basically everyone around me, both uh, that there wasn't really anything else than being a woman or a man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was sort of, uh, uh, I sort of realized quite soon that I had to take on a certain role if I wanted any access to healthcare. Uh, so I decided that I would play the role of the perfect woman in a way just to get the healthcare services that I needed. Because for me, while I identify as non-binary, it was very important to get access to hormones and surgeries and a lot of these things. Uh, but at the same time, I sort of had to compromise that part of me. Uh, and because I was also very public in Iceland, and I had to be very careful about what I said publicly as well, because the healthcare professionals could see everything I would say. Uh, so I sort of put on this perfect show and this perfect masquerade for them even in the public eye as well because I knew they were paying attention so I sort of uh, yeah just sort of played along and I was very good at it uh, even if I do say so myself (laughs) Uh, but it was just it was so easy in a way which is the most sad part about the whole thing Uh, but sort of as soon as I was out of the healthcare system and got exactly what I needed for them that's when I started publicly identifying as non-binary and saying it publicly but I've been telling it to people before that uh, so for me, it was also, it was a big sort of freedom in a way to be able to say it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it wasn't, it was also very political for me and also very private uh, and personal as well. So it's, for me, it's a mix of the political and the private and, you know, because yeah. the personal is political in many ways. Yeah, same for me as well, definitely. Well, it sounds like you got, you both have actually kind of gone through what a lot of the community has gone through since since we've even gotten access to hormones and treatment and things like that, but just the post has moved, you know, maybe further or they take a couple down. But it seems like there maybe are still some that, you know, okay, well, hormones go to these people. So, you know, are you these people? There's lines. And maybe not opening that up to, you know, but not opening that up to what the fluidity of gender identity could be. You know, yeah. and, and what body and gender identity can mean, uh, mm-hmm. which actually uh, because, um, well, uh, Owl, uh, in your TEDx talk, uh, you talk about how the binary can even hurt like the cis communities. And I felt that that after watching that, uh, that I felt that that might have been even a blind spot for me. And it sounds like you might 
both know about some blind spots in the community. In your travels with community members and going around like UK, Iceland, Russia, and such, meeting these people, are there blind spots that you know of that maybe other people are maybe, you know, still letting go or letting to be okay or that we don't maybe, uh, you know, talk about as much? It does raise larger questions about gender in general, and that's something that affects everyone on this planet. Yeah. Yeah, I think because gender affects us all in many ways, and I think everybody, no matter whether they're trans or cis or whatever, has a situation or has a story where their gender somehow mattered and something that they did or something that they said wasn't perceived to be the right way to behave or to say or express themselves. So I think, in a way, we are all you know, affected by gender. And it just matters how much we conform to that, how much it affects us. How much we feel that is us. Yeah, yeah. So if we somehow identify with the idea of what a man and what a woman is, the stereotypical view, then we have an easier time navigating through the world. But if we don't, then we, you know, get more questions raised and we get more attention and we have to justify ourselves ourselves, uh, and even get prosecuted in the process if we don't. Uh Yeah. So I uh, gender has very strict rules and it just matters how well they apply to you whether you know well, I think the, those rules are shifting I think we're starting yeah. to shed some light on that and, and I think it's a really exciting time to be, be on this planet and start seeing these conversations being had for the first time and, mm-hmm. and you know it's interesting in the UK uh, seeing bigger organisations trying to navigate around these topics too and I'm just talking about trans topics in general um, we've you know had some interesting yeah. interesting moments recently but it seems like like generally we're heading in the right direction um yeah just that's kind of it's kind of how it feels here in the united states is that we're somewhat going in the right direction but there's a big lagging aspect of it as well uh, that yes, might that. might be a little bit public you might have heard about it <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I mean, there is a, it is in many places as well. In different countries, there's different situations. And I think that only a handful of countries are in a certain progressive route, but there are other countries that are not even talking about these things. But also the resistance that happens, you know, yeah. I think that for, for every movement that, that goes on, there, there is bound to be, um, you know, an intensity of, mm-hmm. of um, people who oppose um, those, those kind of new, th- new thoughts or new views. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is interesting to see that, that you know that you know for every difficult thing that happens, sometimes that's a catalyst for change, and that's that's really a, that's mm-hmm. nice. I've seen it a few times. Yeah, <laughs> very good. Okay, well, I would like to discuss the ongoing projects that you uh, now. I they understand both are now working on uh, the my generation, which does somewhat kind of how we do here, which we talk to people that are on the uh, gender spectrum that might, that isn't just cis, uh, but also, you know, you, you're doing it with video, discussing with them, like maybe who they are, where they're from and things like that. C- could you tell us maybe how you got into the project, onto the project and how it's going and what you've seen from it? Sure. Uh, I mean, well, my generation, again, this is something good that came out of a bad situation. So uh, after my transsexual summer, which is the documentary that I was involved in, uh, I felt a little bit betrayed by the production team. And I felt that they'd missed a beat in many ways. And and I thought, well, you know, actually, why don't I just cut out the middlemen and, and start making films myself about people around me, my community, myself and so on. 
and I didn't really want to be a filmmaker actually and I just kind of fell into it um, as a, a form of therapy and um, I did that with, with Lewis uh, who was also on my transsexual summer and it really it felt very exciting actually to, to just do that uh, and after we realized we were quite good at it and we realized that um, there was a lot of learning to be done but also that the community started to respond to what we were making almost immediately so uh, the exciting thing the first couple of films we made we realized that we had this uh, this great I don't know, it was, it was such a, a wonderful thing for everyone involved because the people that we were filming, we got to, to learn more about them and to know them better, but also we got to show them an aspect of themselves that almost the way the world sees them and it helped them to, to enjoy themselves more, you know, it helped them to feel better about themselves uh, and, and any, any sort of issues they might have. And I think that for shy people as well, you know, it's great to have a film made about you uh, for me, I like that as well, you know, because it kind of speaks for you. And then, uh, you know, people c come up to the, you know, people that we filmed and say, hey, I've seen you. I really like this aspect about yourself or, you know, I love, you know, driving cars as well. And, and you know, it's I think it's about connection, really. And I think that my generation is, uh, you know, I hope it doesn't sound too cheesy, but I mean, uh, I always wanted my generation to be bigger than me and to be uh, a way for people to connect with each other and and the world is a very small place, actually. And uh, so we've been going for about five years. We've made 50-plus short films. Wow. Um, it's, yeah, it's pretty exciting. We had uh, eight on Channel 4 last year. Um, the BBC actually popped our um, production, Cherry, so we got to broadcast via the BBC before that with a short film called Taylor about a 14-year-old trans guy. Uh, I think that... Uh, and also, you know, it goes on and on. I mean, we've been endorsed by the NHS and uh, there's a, a group called All About Trans that commissioned a very small amount, but we, we went for it anyway to make 25 short films. It nearly killed us, this project, but <laughs> uh, it, it was just great. It really felt like a real, a, a very steep learning curve and a, and a lot of travel and a lot of meeting people. But it, I think that it's it's just been such an exciting project because it's so much more than just making films. You know, we've, we've actually... Um, I don't know. I don't know if you can jump in and, and, and say how you feel about this, Al, as well. As uh, yeah, I mean, I just recently got involved with my generation. Uh, as now, I'm helping Fox sort of run the, the whole show, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, and I guess my generation is... We're sort of always struggling to explain what exactly my generation is because it is. it's such a big expansive thing and we're not youtubers because there's youtubers out there that do a really great job at what they do but i mean we we kind of make we make films that are um documentation entertainment and entertainment so mm. it might be documentary and it did start off mostly documentary but now we're getting into more comedy mm -hmm. uh, sketches uh we've tried to do a web series and you know it's just about um mm -hmm. experimenting with with um ways of, of engaging with people that's beyond just our audience yeah. but primarily if we if we do um make a film and a trans person watches it and it makes them feel better about themselves or they connect they can connect with the person that they see um then we've done a good job I yeah think. yeah so i think my generation is a mixture of an ongoing sort of film project but it's also just about celebrating and portraying trans lives in a positive way because trans people are so often misrepresented in media and in film and you know we all know the movies and the stories where a trans person is just a trope or some yeah. sort of a tragic fate or you know we've all heard those stories in all those movies so i guess my generation is sort of a, a tool to show trans people in a positive light and in the in the real light about who we really are mm. in many ways okay 
So uh, do you also, I think, Fox, you have some side projects as well uh, with art. Um, uh, would you like to tell us about that? Because I was actually a little bit curious myself as to, I believe you had a showing, if I'm correct. But yeah, it was it's really great. I mean, I love I love this kind of I call it, call it actually a glorified hobby because it's um, and a little bit like Andy Warhol. Like I just kind of really enjoy um, making screen printed work that that's um, playful and um, sometimes doesn't have anything to do with the fact that I'm trans. Uh, you know, some stuff obviously does, um, but I just think it's a wonderful medium. And I often I teach it as well. I teach people how to screen print, and it's a beautiful process. Um, and it helps me to relax quite a lot. I think it's kind of my meditation in many ways. Um, but self-care. I, yeah, completely, completely self-care. And it's just getting lost in the colors and all the different elements of screen printing. And um, I really enjoy printing onto wood. I've done a lot of that recently. Ooh. And I just love, the, yeah, the layering up of stuff and the grain. And, you know, I just really get into it. So, uh, And there's something quite perverse about making um, making up a screen just for like one or one or two pieces of wood as opposed to what I was doing before, which is, you know, with a screen, you can get like 500 images out of it. And um, and I see a lot of that for like, you know, gig posters like Peaches and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I just I love printing. I've been doing it for quite a while as well before I started my transition. So probably about uh, eight or nine years now. And um, it, it really got me out of a difficult time as well. I was in kind of a, a really really horrible relationship at the time and and it, screen printing was kind of like my my window to get it's like a, you know i could see the light at the end of the tunnel with this and um it, it's yeah it's just a beautiful process and um and i try and i try and do it once a week but we, we just moved studios so i'm gonna have to uh get back into the swing of things again but i sell stuff on sarchi which is really great um and there's a place online called art republic as well um where i sell work so every now and again i sell a few prints and it always just comes at the right time because I can inject it back into the filmmaking. So a lot of the film stuff we do is, yeah, it's completely um, just because we want to make it, you know, and and that means we're not restricted by anyone else, you know, telling us how to do it or what to do. Um, And that that feels very creative and very free. Uh, So often, um, you know, it just it's really wonderful being able to make films, but it's quite expensive as well, you know, as you you know. um, Yeah external hard drives and and you know memory cards <laughs> and broken lenses and stuff like that so yeah yeah all right well owl what about you because uh, i know that you occasionally write for the huffington post uk uh maybe like what other side projects do you have if you have any or maybe when you sit down like how do you get the input or what do you focus on when sitting down to write uh, well, basically, I come from, a, I guess, a different context because I, I come from Iceland. Uh, and I think that sort of my, I don't know, being thrust into activism in Iceland has in many ways made me, uh, has made me, you know, equipped me to be able to be the activist that I am today. Uh, and when I came out in Iceland, I was very quickly thrust into the public light, uh, quite, not accidentally, but I didn't really realize what was happening. Uh, And I appeared at an interview. uh, And after that, I became very, very public. And uh, people wanted to do a lot of interviews with me. And I was sort of, you know, just became known overnight in many ways in Iceland, because Iceland is a very small country. Yeah, it's actually uh, trying to learn the language myself. Uh, It's uh, living uh, near the Phoenix area. I noticed that our population of the city is 
bigger than your country's population. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, so it's I mean, a little hard to find some help to learn a new language. Yeah. I can imagine, yeah. <laughs> but it was because it's a small country and there were so few trans people actually out in public. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, uh, I became, yeah, as I said, quite known. Uh, and for the past, I think, five or six years, I've been working with Trans Iceland, which is an organization of trans people in Iceland. Uh, and I sort of became the spokesperson for that organization. And then I also got involved internationally with organizations like Iglio, which is uh, an international LGBTQI youth and student organization. Uh, I've also been involved with Transgender Europe, which is TGEU. Uh, so I've sort of been, you know, moving a bit away from Iceland for the past, I think, two years or something like that. Uh, and just recently I met Fox during a, a council which Transgender Europe has. And that's, you know, where we met and where we got together. And in Italy. In Italy, uh, Bologna. And uh, I was there to make five short films about Transgender Europe, about TGEU. Yeah. And uh, Al was on my hit list, so they were one of the people that I wanted <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I guess I just I've just gained my sort of knowledge from experience. Really, I've uh, I've traveled a lot over across Europe to do a lot of different projects with different organizations. Uh, I've been to Lithuania, for example, where I appeared on TV to talk about trans issues. Uh, I've been hosting a lot of conferences with Iglio, where we've done conferences on intersectionality, on trans issues, on intersex issues, and on so many different things related to somehow LGBTQI. And Iglio uh, is the International Lesbian, Gay, Transgender, Intersex uh, Youth Organization. Yeah. I was going to ask, I was going to ask, was that a name or is that an acronym? I've been it's, learning so much yeah. recently. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, because yeah, so I, I, I actually found uh, you out from a Trans Iceland video, uh, one that you did with Sandra uh, and uh, other people talking about your experiences. I yeah. mean, it was, you know, subtitled, luckily for me, but, you know, you getting out there ha- has helped. And that's how I found Fox as well, through you. So that, it, the you watched was one that was modeled on the one um, thing yeah, that you were actually trans in. people that I was in originally. So it's like <laughs> we're all inspiring each other. It's so funny. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's that's. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty funny, actually, yeah. how reciprocal the relationship for the community has been, uh, like kind of team building without maybe knowing it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then just recently, I actually moved to Iceland and now I'm in the UK. And that's why I'm starting to write for the for the Huff Post as well, because I'm just sort of, you know, coming to a new playing field, really, because I've been in Iceland and I've been sort of in the international thing uh, but now I'm actually living in another country, and that's uh, and it's a much bigger country as yeah, well. So. It's a bigger playing field in many ways. Yeah, uh, and I mean I'm doing a master's in gender studies, so that's also where you know my sort of academic experience comes in. But when it comes down to trans issues, there isn't actually a lot of academic text and writings about trans issues. So I'm sort of bringing that into gender studies in many ways. Uh, where I'm doing, and I'm currently doing it at the University of Iceland. Oh, and there has been a lot of uh, work done there on trans issues, actually. So, right now, I'm working on my thesis about uh, the experiences of trans people with trans-related healthcare in Iceland. Uh, and that connects with the video that we just did as yeah. well. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll have to link with that and uh, and show everyone as well as the other other uh, my generation videos and link those, but. Uh, because trans, transgender healthcare has been a big issue, even one that me myself, before we had our um, 
uh, Affordable Health Care Act uh, have a specific clause for it, I was denied for being trans, specifically. Oh, wow. Like, you can't, I, I applied, got a rejection letter, says we won't want to cover you or anything like that. So I, I, I do appreciate that you guys are also focusing on that issue of uh, health care because yeah. it is probably one of the biggest ones that we have, if not getting health care, uh, mental health care, like mental health care and stuff like that. People are yeah. just maybe, as you said, you know, like just, you know, so, you know, some are in the shadows, you know, yes. but if they're in the shadows and they don't want to come out and speak, you know, on a p- big public stage, that's one thing. But being able to access health care or mental health care, those are yeah. big Huge. differences. Yeah. Oh, okay, and so my gender race, my generation has recently, I believe you went to St. Petersburg for the Queer Fest uh, and documented uh, what looked like quite a lot of different people. Uh, it seemed to be a big point of interest on your page and uh, w- with the people that, you know, may social, social media interact with you. How was that experience in Russia? Uh, getting to know some of the people on the gender spectrum in somewhere that might not be as open or, you know, that has the health care or social care, like social aspects uh, that others might have the privilege of enjoying. Absolutely. I mean, we weren't really sure what to expect. I guess I'll rewind just a little bit to explain how we ended up in Russia. Um, we were... In March of this year, uh, through All About Trans, uh, we were sent um, we, the, a meeting was arranged by Stonewall with All About Trans and myself with two Russian activists, and they were sponsoring them to come over and, and learn some more about what organizations were doing over here and to make links. So I shared with them the My Generation films. One of them was from Serbia. Um, is that or Siberia? I always get those two confused. What? Siberia or, or Serbia? Siberia. Siberia. Sorry, it's Siberia. Isn't it really cold? <laughs> the cold place in Russia. So, yeah. so one was from Syria, sorry, and one was from Russia. And um, uh, so then a few months later, I was sent an invitation. Um, and I think, um, was it to you as well, Al, as well? or do we? Not originally. It was just to you originally. Oh, because of the connection that we'd made. Anyway, sorry, long-winded story. But um, <laughs> they, they just said, you know, we're having this uh, queer fest and we'd love for you to come over and we'll help to arrange a visa for you. Um, and I thought, wow, I've just met this wonderful person, Al, and they do amazing stuff too. And so I kind of wrote back and, and they said, yeah, we'd love for Al to come and do some workshops there too um, on intersectionality and... Um, just on gender. On gender, yeah. So um, we weren't really sure, you know, whether we were even going to be given a visa because if anybody Googles our names, obviously, you know, <laughs> we're, we're quite um, active with what we do. And mm-hmm. um, so we, we we were actually granted the visas and we went along to St. Petersburg um, and we were there in Russia for five days in total. And they were having, uh, I think Queer Fest has been going on for eight years. That's right. It was the eighth year. And in previous years, like two years ago, for example, at the main events, uh, they they did have some difficulty with uh, with people that were um, not happy with what they were doing, and they would they uh, according to their words they put foul smelling liquid into the uh, the venues. They were squirting horrible liquid in there, mm. and uh, and they were trying to get in, and then they weren't able to get in. So it was very scary for everyone involved. Um, and then last year they they had to change venues last minute because they were worried about security. This year there was a huge amount of security, and the events you'd imagine. I mean, it's not party time. It's kind of like more workshops and uh, gallery events, and yeah. people just talking and connecting with each other. 
Um, and, you know, we, we just felt really, really um, honoured to be there. And even at the airport, we were welcomed with uh, a banner that said Queer Fest. The people wearing T-shirts that said Queer Fest. Uh, we inquired about it. Because it wasn't in Russian, it wasn't going to raise any uh, flags. So they were quite able. And I think that I saw this in an interview as well with a, with a really horrible uh, politician. But he said, uh, you can be um, like Russia is a big open closet. So it's almost like don't ask, don't tell. And you can you can get by. Um, but obviously that's not a very good message for people at all and it doesn't uh, with the propaganda laws as we learned uh, any form of promotion of uh, homosexuality or or gender um, variance is um, is punishable yeah mm-hmm. and it, it means that people um, as you'd imagine uh, they might start on their journey to take hormones and go down the the path that a lot of people do which is you know through the internet or whatever and not under guidance of a medical professional and they they, you know perhaps they start to change um so much that the documents don't match themselves anymore uh they they essentially are 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 lost you know they they kind of have to bail out of society because they can't get a job uh they can't travel um, so you're, you're, even though you're, you're kind of changing your life to be who you are, you're very restricted because of that. So it's, yeah. it's a really horrible situation. Yeah, and we interviewed uh, some trans people about their experiences, and it was just uh, some of them talk about how they were harassed uh, constantly by people who were trying to out them as trans. Uh, and then we spoke to this one person from Siberia, and apparently, what happens when you come out as trans and you try to seek some sort of health care? You have to go into a mental hospital for a month. They yeah. make you do that as part of the process. Wow. Yeah, so it's just there is basically there isn't any official regulation or anything about how trans people are treated or anything. So sometimes they're just based on whether you know somebody at the office will change their documents or not because yeah. there isn't any law about it and it's you can get hormones uh, at pharmacies and stuff but there's no as you said doctor that would treat you mm-hmm. or help you with your hormone therapy so you'd have to do it all on your own and just sort of you know have advice from other trans people who've yeah. been taking it for a longer time or something so but, the situation is in many ways sort of they're sort of invisible and they sort of don't exist yeah. legally nor socially in many ways and also they had um they had one um doctor who was very sympathetic and who was fired from st petersburg i think a year ago so um that one person that that gave access to a lot of um gave people uh, treatment it, you know all of a sudden, they weren't yeah. able to. Prices went out, went up at the pharmacies, so that it was less affordable to be able to buy the yeah. hormones. So it's really, it's pretty scary. Um, and we can't wait to get the film out. Actually, we're going to start editing it properly very, very soon. So it should be out within the next month. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. No, I can kind of relate with that because, uh, as I said before, when I got denied coverage, I was getting them off the internet as well, doing them yeah. myself, for, and yeah. it did not have the greatest effects on me and my body but when I was able to get care it made a world of difference like I I had hives all the time and I just lived with it and you know I was like well this is what I have to do for right now you know there's something down the way that'll fix this hopefully but you know but living in the shadows is just not okay in a lot of in in a lot of different ways it it seems and so hopefully we'll get some help and changes going on there as well but to finish off i would like to ask both of you 
what would you say to someone starting out in their journey? And maybe how have you uh, seen ways that help in your travels from community members and leaders uh, that are helping people maybe coming out or, you know, just trying to start that journey of self-discovery? What would you you say to them? I think for me, the biggest barrier was myself and I had to I really went on that journey of self-love and you know I think that if you can not give yourself such a hard time and not be waiting you know oh when I have that when I have this I'm going to be happy you know really really try and 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 start to you know it's tricky to tell people to be happy isn't it I mean it's kind of difficult (laughs) advice because uh you know it took hormones for me to start to emerge out of my shell and start to really feel like the person that I was um, it's a journey. I guess just be kind to yourself and uh, and take small steps in the right direction every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I sort of always tell people is that support is one of the most important things you can have. Uh, so reaching out to people who are in the process or have done the process or in the same place as you mm-hmm. is so important because there's always trans people out there. I mean, we are so many out there that there's always going to be someone out there that you can connect to, especially now that we live in an age where you can connect over the internet with almost anyone anywhere in the world. Mm, connect, um, but don't compare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just, you know, connect with trans people who've gone through this and because it's so tremendously important to feel that sense of, you know, belonging, that sense of solidarity, that sense of that somebody has gone through the same things as you, because feeling alone is probably one of the worst things and the isolation. So reaching out to people uh, and finding support in other trans people is extremely important. Yeah, because often when people, we we get so worried. You've had a case recently where a friend of yours in Iceland has kind of disappeared off the map and you had to really go hunting for her. Yeah. And it can be very worrying. I think when people start to remove themselves from society, Mm -hmm. that's when you really need to be concerned. Yeah. For the, for the welfare. Yeah. Well, well, that is great. And I would like to thank you both for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for much. having us. Yeah, I really <laughs> appreciate it. It's our first uh, interview together, is it? No, not the first one, but the first podcast. First podcast together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, everybody. I hope that you enjoyed that interview by Dorian as much as I did. Let us know what you thought. Send us a tweet or an email. Uh, I think Dorian's doing a great job, and we would love to hear what you all think. So we will be back here in two weeks for another episode of the Beyond Gender podcast. In the meantime, I hope that you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving with your family or your friends, your chosen families, and we look forward to seeing you back here in just a couple of weeks. And just a quick reminder, stay tuned after our outro on this episode, we will have the self-care guide audio from Dara Hoffman Fox. Uh, So even after you hear us uh, doing our little spiel at the end of the episode, stay tuned if you want to hear that self-care guide from Dara. It is definitely worth staying on and listening to and or you can click in the show notes and watch the YouTube video version.
Thanks again for listening to another great episode of the Beyond Gender podcast. We will be back here again in two weeks with another brand new story to tell. If you want to learn more about news or the people and projects we spoke about, check out beyondgenderpod.com as always. Give us your thoughts and feedback on Twitter at Beyond Gender Pod or Facebook, www.facebook.com slash beyondgenderpod. Or email us at beyondgenderpod at gmail.com. Thank you to Matt Van Horn for mixing and editing. Broke for free for our music and, of course, Lux for our artwork. Dorian Brendan for news, production, and the occasional host slot. And our producer and host with the most, Caleb Arring. Did I do that right? there. My name is Dara Hoffman Fox. I'm a queer identified licensed professional counselor and I'm a transgender advocate. So I'm making this video on November 15th, 2016. One week ago was election day in the United States. And one week ago, none of us really knew what was to unfold in the coming hours. And none of us really knew just how much it would impact us and shock us. And honestly, um, we've been through a trauma. And when I say we, I mean, the fact that you're watching this video means that you probably were impacted in the same way, myself included. And so uh, that being said, it's really, really important that here we are a week later and there are certain feelings and thoughts that we've worked through and gone through. And knowing that this is a time for an increase in self-awareness and how you can take care of yourself is uh, the purpose of this video because there is, um, this is no joke. This is probably for many of you, the first time you've ever experienced something like this before. Um, a lot of you ex have experienced trauma on a personal level, but to have this happen on what feels like uh, it's actually an international level of what you're going through and what others are going through, um, this is very new to some of you. And even for those of you who maybe were around during other times of turmoil and chaos in the world and in your country, this is the first time social media has been such a huge factor in it. So in a way, this is new for everybody. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you uh, six different tips for self-care in this video. This video is going to be relevant today. And what I mean by that is more than likely I'm going to be making more videos in the future that will continue to highlight what can you do? How can you get through this? How can you take care of yourself? Because the thing is, we don't know what the future holds at this point. It is uncertain. So this video is just based on what I know of today, and I think it'll be able to be helpful for at least a little while. And then when something new happens, I'll create another video. So for now, let's focus on here we are one week after the election results. What is it that you can do to make sure you are taking care of yourself during this time? 
Before I get into the specific tips, there's one thing I want to mention right off the top, and that is the way that you're feeling is completely valid. So let me say that again. Your feelings are valid. Don't let anybody convince you otherwise. I know this because I've seen it and I've heard it. I've seen it and heard it from people who are being really mean about it, who are saying, um, you're being a crybaby, you're overreacting. And I've also seen and heard it from people who are trying to help and they say, um, I don't, I don't know why you're so scared. I think it's going to be okay. You know, calm down. They're trying to be nice about it, but once again, it still makes you feel like the way you are feeling is not valid. And so first and foremost, please, please know that the way you are feeling is right because this is you. This is your personal experience and only you know what it's like to be you. And if you're scared and if you're angry and if you're hurt and all of those things, then that's okay. It is absolutely okay. The first tip I want to mention has to do with social media. Like I said earlier in this video, this is the first time that social media is being as involved as it is for many of you in your lifetime when it comes to something this big happening in your life. And so there's two different things when it comes to social media. For one, I want you to fine tune your social media. That means if you need to go through the social media that you are exposing yourself to and start cutting out certain um, people and certain things that you're reading and seeing from certain organizations, you need to do that. Um, if you need to add in more people or more organizations, more news feeds that feed you the things that you need to see right now to help you feel comforted, to help you feel like you have community, to feel like you're supported, then you need to add that in. So once again, you need to start cutting out what it is. Uh, you can always bring it back in later, including different people in your life. But if you need to block it out for now and you need to bring in some others that um, is going to help you more during this time, do it. The second part of social media is um, if you need to tune out, tune out. I mean, cut it off. You can do this for an hour. You could do it for a day. You could do it for longer than that. I'm not saying you have to cut social media out forever because um, as I'll talk about later, there are ways that social media will be able to help you in the coming days as long as you use it carefully. But even if it's positive and negative things that you're reading, taking in too much of that is going to um, wear you down. So if you need to give yourself a break, like I said, even if it's for a very short amount of time and you can go do something that feels um, invigorating to you, something that you know is going to help your energy, then I want to make sure you do that. The second tip is find community. This is of utmost importance right now. It's always important to find community when you are going through something like questioning your gender identity or if you decide to transition. Um, but it's even more important now to make sure you find community. Community can mean whatever um, it means to you specifically. This can be community that is in your personal life, um, people that you can interact with, you know, in, you know, real life, so to speak. Um, but if you don't have that kind of option, go online and find community. 
This can be people that you actually do interact with, or this could be things like this video where you know that there's people out there who are thinking of you, even if they don't know you personally and they want to help you. You need to find people that um, are going to understand how you're feeling. They're going to say, I too am feeling that way, and that you can come together and share ideas about how you can get through this and how you can feel safe in being able to talk about how you're feeling about this. You have to find community. That's what people have done for decades when things like this have happened. They gather together and they find strength in that. So I really need you to do that. And nowadays, on the good side, when it comes to the internet, if you aren't are isolated and you're unable to find that in your own personal life, turn to the internet um, and go through that way to be able to find more community. Tip number three is turn to your self-care checklist. Now, not everybody out there might have a self-care checklist. Uh, In my book, You and Your Gender Identity, A Guide to Discovery, at the very beginning of the book, I have what's called the self-care checklist. And this is a list in which you um, write down for yourself all the different things that you know are things that you do to help take care of yourself. Um, And in fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a free PDF where I have that part of the book um, on my website so that you'll be able to click in the notes for this video and be able to take you to that um, PDF. What I have is a list of a bunch of ideas that can be on your self-care checklist, and then you can create your own self-care checklist from there. So being able to turn to what you already know helps you. Um, you already know this. You already know that there's certain things that make you feel better um, that you can use to kind of check out for a little bit. And speaking of that, make sure when you're doing self-care, you don't go too far and it becomes too much into escapism and detaching from reality. Um, So you have to kind of balance that fine line between doing that. The fourth tip is to be proactive. So being proactive means in a situation in which it feels like it is very much out of your control, it means finding things that you can do that are within your control. So let me give you a few examples of this. There's been a lot of articles shared this week about how you can take steps to get your name and your gender marker legally changed on legal documents. And there is information about ways that you can turn to um, attorneys who can help you with this. And a lot of attorneys are offering their services pro bono. And there's links about where you can find out about the state you live in and what you need to go through in order to get that done. Even just finding out information about this, about what is it you need to do, how much is it going to cost, how long is it going to take, taking the steps to find that out is proactive. And this is for those of you who are in that stage of transition who feel like this is something that you have been planning on doing but you just haven't done it yet. Um, Another way you can be proactive is, uh, and I I was inspired by one of my clients who told me this, is that she's going to get involved with um, self-defense. She's going to learn self-defense for herself. Uh, She's a trans woman, and she decided that, you know, for one, she's going to go forward with the legal name and gender process sooner than than, uh, later. But she also said, I want to be sure I'm able to protect myself in a situation Um, that I really, really hope doesn't end up happening. But if it does, I want to feel prepared 
Uh, so that's a way to become proactive. Another idea for being proactive is to um, start learning as much as you can about law and about politics and um, to the extent that it doesn't feel like you are then immersing yourself too much back into the whole election and post-election discussion, start learning about what is it exactly that is at stake here? What is it that could be changed that could possibly harm me? What are the chances that it could happen? What are the steps that it would take? And that way you can maybe perhaps either get some reassurance about it, or if it's a realistic concern, at least you'll know. And then you'll know that that's something you need to prepare for. So um, again, be proactive, find things in your life that you can um, have within your control and take step towards in a situation that feels very, very much out of control. The fifth tip is to rededicate yourself to what you are already doing. So this can mean so many different things to so many people, but for some people it means um, I am not giving up on my transition. I am not giving up on being in college and studying for this degree so I can enter this career field. I am not giving up on um, being a civil rights um, fighter and doing what I can to help others. It can even be, I'm not going to give up just being me. That's huge for you to be able to assert that to yourself and dedicate yourself to that. Um, this might be one of the hardest steps to take right now. So if it's something that still feels too, too big for you to take on, take it in small little bites. Tell yourself, I rededicate myself to taking care of myself during this time. I'm going to make sure I eat well. I'm going to make sure I get sleep. I'm going to make sure I exercise. Anything that you know that is good for you in your life and that you are maybe working towards, things that you're improving, um, tell yourself again, uh, I am dedicated to doing that because when this kind of thing happens, it can just completely put you in a place of why do I even bother? I even went there for just a really small amount of time and it scared the crap out of me because, um, I know it's understandable that we had that feeling that comes up, but, um, very quickly I realized that's, everything. That's the reason why I should bother because there's so much at stake. So think about that for yourself. What are some ways that you can do that? The sixth and final tip is to get involved. So when I say get involved, I mean getting involved in a bigger way, something that is beyond just yourself. It's getting involved with um, different sorts of groups that are beginning to form as we speak um, there's different rallies, there's different organizations, there's different causes. There's going to be a ton of this coming up in the future. I guarantee it. We're, we're going to hardly be able to keep up with how many different opportunities there will be to get involved in making sure that we are here and we are visible and that we're treated with respect. And so this, again, is not something that everybody will feel ready to do right now. It might not even be something that you're going to feel like you will want to do on a big, grand scale in the future, and that's okay. Um, even just you doing things on a personal level, sharing a picture, sharing an article, sharing a meme, those things do make a difference. That's a way that you can be involved. 
Um, a lot of people are built for this. I would say I have in myself, um, I am an activist at heart. So this kind of thing does get me motivated and charged up and I want to get involved and I want to help. Not everybody is built that way. That's okay. Um, there are a lot of us out there who are going to be stepping forward and helping in the future. And you are going to find your way that you can do this, whether it's on a bigger scale or a medium kind of local scale, or even in your own personal life, you will find a way. And if you can find a way to get involved, it'll help you feel like you're doing something, something to move things forward, something positive. Um, and that can go a long way towards alleviating um, the fear and the stress and the anxiety. But um, again, if this is something that you want to sort of tuck away in the back of your head for later, that you might not be ready to do now, that's okay too. So again, this has been Dara Hoffman Fox, and thanks so much for watching. I really hope that this has been able to provide a little bit of information to you that can be helpful to you during this time. Please feel free to share it with others. I'll be coming to you again more in the future with more. And just remember, we are absolutely in this together. I'll be back. Thanks. Take care. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.